Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Great people, great groups. Um, just a fantastic opportunity to get involved. You know, there's some tensions when, when, when we talk about being called. We've talked about being called to follow. Last week, we talked about being called to serve. Those are non-negotiables in the, in the realm of Christianity. We are called to follow. And um, the Bible clearly says, and Jesus makes it clear, that if you're not willing to follow and make him the first and priority in your life, then you're not worthy of him. That's a hard statement, but it's what the Bible says. It's what Jesus says specifically, is that if you're not willing to make him first in your life, then you're not willing to follow him. You're not, you're not worthy of him as a follower and a leader. And so we have to follow Jesus. And then last week we talked about serving, and Jesus gave the example of bowing down at the disciples' feet, washing their feet as a servant. And he said, follow my example, serve. And so service is part of the nature and character of of the church. And if we're not doing those things, then we aren't following Jesus. And so today is called to lead. Now, I'm preaching this with the understanding that not everybody is called to lead. And the reason for that is because there are leaders and there are followers. There are, you can't be a leader without followers. And so not everybody's going to lead and not everybody's called to lead. But I do believe that it's important that we understand what leadership looks like and what it means. There's a tension with uh, leadership and that simply means that if I'm going to be called a leader, that means it's going to take time. That immediately calls tension to our lives because we're so busy, especially here in America where uh, time is, is a treasure. Talent. Oh, I'm not, I'm not capable. I don't have the skills. I'm not a leader. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, when you become a leader, you become a target. That's the truth. It, it's not easy being a leader because as soon as you start leading, you're leading people quite often in places they may not choose you choose to go themselves. But because of God's leadership and God's vision and God's direction in our lives, we are being challenged to go where we wouldn't go normally. And that's often what leadership requires. And so you become a target. Why? Because people are like, all right, I don't want to go where you're going. Let's remove you. Let's cancel you. Let's get rid of you. Let's do whatever it takes. You might not feel qualified. The tension of leadership means that if we're going to choose to be leaders or if we're going to answer the call to be a leader, we don't choose to be one. We call, answer the call to be one. Then we are going to carry weight, carry responsibility, Carry authority, carry uh, uh, the, the, the responsibility of making sure that the church stays healthy, carrying weight. And that is the responsibility of a leader. And these are all tensions, time, talent, target, qualified, carry weight. I don't know if I want to be a leader. Well, the beauty of it is, is that you don't get a choice. Because when God calls you, you either obey or you disobey. And you become a leader or you don't become a leader. And, and, and if God's calling you, you better become a leader because that's what God is doing in our lives. Now, the temptations that come with leadership is really interesting that quite often leaders become controllers. 
They become people who are, are, are micromanagers and controllers, and they just want to control people. And this is when leadership goes wrong, because we're not here to control. Uh, there's power in leadership. Yes, there is power, and there is authority, but it's not to be used inappropriately or, or in, in a wrong case. Many people see leadership as dollars, and they see an opportunity to earn money and to make money. And that's not always true, especially in the context of the church. It's not always true that there's money involved in leadership. It doesn't mean there isn't, but it does mean that that's not a good motivation. Or what's in it for me? I'm willing to lead as long as there's a benefit. And I, I think that's a, a terrible motivation to say yes to leadership or to say uh, I want to be that because of the value or benefit that I gain. You see, we're not here to do anything but what Jesus calls us to do. Amen? Amen. I was, I was uh, brought up in a home where um, leadership wasn't ever even mentioned as an option of a way of life. I didn't, my, my parents didn't say, hey, someday you're going to be a great leader. Never heard that. Not once. As I look back, not once did I ever hear that. In fact, my dad encouraged me, hey, just work and you'll earn money and you'll support your family and that's it. And so I, I'm a great laborer. I'm a, I, in fact, I love hard work. I love to do hard work. I love to dig ditches. I love to pour concrete. I love to build things. I love to work hard. And all of that is good. That's all ingrained in me in my, in my lifetime. I graduated high school as a certified welder. So I had a, a, a trade that I was going to make, go make money, welding and sucking smoke all my life. Not cigarettes either, just metal and oil and all that kind of stuff. Probably wouldn't be all that healthy if I stayed with that, that particular uh, career. But I was never uh, told that I was going to be a leader. And then once I graduated from high school, I went and I, I became a Christian and I was away from my family. And as soon as I became a Christian, I, was, I remember sitting in a, um, a revival meeting. And in this revival meeting was this, this, uh, <clears throat> this evangelist that was preaching. And he was, he was saying, some of you are called to be a leader. And I'm like, huh? And I said, that, it, it just rung a bell. I didn't ever hear that before in my lifetime. I didn't have any idea that I was even, and I would be the first person to tell you, nope, that's not me. As I was a follower all my life, I was, I was not a leader. I was not, I didn't have any followers. I didn't have anything that prompted me to say, hey, let's train to be a leader someday. But all of a sudden I hear this pastor, this evangelist saying, hey, maybe some of you are called to be a leader. And it just, it just ticked my interest, but it didn't stick and then I moved to an, another place out of Oregon and I went to Washington and it was there that somebody said I see leadership in you and I'm like no no I'm here to buck hay I'm here to handle cows and I'm here to help farmers and they said no you're not you're called to be a pastor and I was encouraged to um <clears throat> To, to have that calling confirmed. And there were prayer meetings and different things where people spoke into my life and they, they began to say, Ricardo, I see what God's doing in your life. I see that he's doing something special to, to direct you into ministry. I didn't know what ministry really meant at that point in time. I had had really bad experiences with ministry up to that point. 
um, in my childhood, one of our best friends, a pastor that was uh, the pastor of the church that we attended. They were a great family that we hung out with. And uh, all of a sudden they were gone because they got voted out because the church was mad at them. And um, that made me more mad at the church. Uh, my dad, of course, and, and my mom were always fighting. And so I didn't have this great perspective of the church or ministry or, or leadership or anything like that. And uh, all of a sudden I found myself at Northwest Bible College at the time, now Northwest University, training to be a youth pastor. And all of a sudden I accepted this crazy sense of leadership. And when I first got there as a freshman, um, at, we were in this prayer meeting and all of a sudden, I just felt like the Lord said, stand up and speak up and just encourage these, this freshman class that you're now a part of that we're going to be a group of people that bring revival to the school. So I stood up and I said that. All of a sudden, I'm the leader. And it was crazy. It was, it, was, it was nuts because I was the freshman class president. I was the sophomore class president. I'm not saying any of this to, to, to brag on myself. I'm just saying that what happened is God brought me along in a path that I never anticipated. I ended up being the, the, the ASB vice president. And then my last senior year, I was the ASB president. And I was leader of, I, I just became this leader. And I it was kind of one of those things where I'm like, I'm just along for the ride. It felt like a roller coaster. And especially when I, when I would try and, and, and go for these things, then I'm holding on like this white knuckle experience. And all of a sudden, God brings it into my lap. And, and ever since then, I've been a pastor or a leader in, in some kind of form or context. And all along, I've never felt completely worthy. And the truth is, I think that's a really good place. Because we never want to take leadership as something that I'm worthy of, but that we're called to. And I think it's super important that as we develop a leadership culture here at Journey, we realize that there is no place for anyone to see themselves as something super special um, because of who we are, but we're only special because of who Jesus is in us. Amen? And I don't want to take away from the value of leadership, but I don't want to give such an elevated point to leadership that it becomes something that you go, man, only special people belong there. Only special people belong there. Everyone in this room has equal value. Amen? Please understand that if you walked in here thinking that you don't have it, you do. Because you're part of the body. God placed you here. God is putting, is, is, is established you here to be a part of the body, which is valuable. And every part is valuable. And so quite often, most of us probably respond to a leadership call like Moses did. And I want to walk through this story. Um, maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you're kicking the tires of faith. And maybe you're ca being called to be a leader in your workplace. Maybe you're being called to be a leader in your community. It doesn't have to necessarily be here. But one of the reasons I feel the need to, to preach this is because I do believe that the church needs leaders. Not just me. Not just Josh, not just Rebecca, not just my wife, not just our, our team, but we need more leaders because our capacity is determined by how many leaders we have. And so we have a, a, a worship leading team. There's leaders on stage. And so we, we need more. And the, that's the value of this message. 
Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flock. And it's so important that you understand he's probably going to call you while you're doing your normal thing. While you're doing your normal thing. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb. Now remember that he led the flock. Because he'll be leading the flock later. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why, why the bush does not burn up. And so here's this miraculous experience. Most of us will not be called in this context. I was, I didn't, I've never seen a burning bush. I didn't see writing on the wall. I didn't see a skywriter in the air. I didn't have an angel show up or, or any audible voice. I, I had this unction, this desire, this hunger to do whatever God was calling me to do. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And this is all I'm asking right now is that you be willing to say, here I am. That's all you need to be able to say right now is, are you willing to be a leader? Are you willing to say, here I am, Lord? As he calls your name, are you willing to say, here I am? Or are you going to duck? Are you going to hide? Are you going to run? Are you going to do something to get away from the calling of God? Because if you do, you will be walking in disobedience and that's not good. Okay? So the calling of God will often come in our common circumstance, but it will be in a sacred moment. It'll be a sacred moment. While you're doing what you're doing, God shows up or God speaks to your heart and there will be a sacred moment that God does something pretty special. Do not come any closer, verse 5. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are, are standing is holy ground. Again, this is going to be a sacred experience. The calling of God is not something that is common. It's not something that is every day. It's not something that you always experience. It's unique. It's different. It's special. It's going to come in a, in, a, in a situation or circumstance or a prayer time or a moment that's sacred with you. Even as you are standing at work, doing your work, God may speak to you and show up to you in that context. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. This is how sacred this moment was. We just got done singing, holy, holy, holy. And, and it's sacred. It's incredible what God does. I remember that, that, that feeling when that evangelist was speaking and he said, some are called to be leaders. And I'm like, hmm. And it was a sacred moment. And then it became more and more sacred as time went on. In verse 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, uh, Hivites, Jebusites, and Cellulites. Just kidding. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. 
There's so many really good things here that I don't have a whole lot of time to preach on, but let's look at a couple. One is the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. God is always going to call leaders to do something to meet a need for people. That's why leadership, servant leadership is critical in the church. We cannot be authoritarian leaders. We cannot be power-driven leaders or money-driven leaders. We must be servant-driven leaders who are people who understand that when God calls us, he's calling us out to meet a need. And this need that we are called to is those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness, while at the same time we're growing to be fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. That's the mission that God will call you to in this body. And so all of us who are leaders will be called to the same mission, maybe with a different task or a different talent that we're going to use, but for the same reason. There is a need in Ventura County for people to know Jesus. And they need to be rescued. They need to be delivered from their sin. They need to be uh, told that Jesus loves them and cares about them. And if we don't do that... We are not going to follow the leadership call that he's placed on us. And, that, and for that reason, he is calling us out. He is going to call us out for the needs of Ventura County. We're here to serve this county, the gospel message of Jesus Christ, through the many avenues and directions and paths that he calls us to do that. Whether it's a single mom's oil change, or it's, a, it's, it's packing uh, lunch packs and hygiene packs, or it's serving the needs of our, our community somehow, some way. No matter what it is, it's going to be based, our calling is going to be based on the needs of the people. Your gift and design may be God's tool to reach the people. What are you good at right now? What are you doing? Maybe you're shepherding people. Maybe you're already shepherding flocks. Maybe you're, whatever the talent is. I love our, our elders, uh, Don and Dave. Both of them are skilled very differently. Don has an administrative skill. Dave has a serving skill that, and an and a, a ability to, to put things together and all that kind of stuff. Different skills, but they're using them radically well in the church right now. We're blessed to have them as elders. We're blessed to have them as servants, servant leaders in our church. And so what are you good at? What could you use to lead others to help do things for the sake of the kingdom? God may be calling you to help build a church who touches the have-yets, because that's what we're all about. Entering the journeys of those who have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Verse 11, here's you and I, right? But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Let's be real, right? I mean, we talk about reaching an entire county for Christ. Fortunately, there are other churches that are doing the same thing. God bless them. God bless every church that preaches the gospel in Ventura. We want every church to succeed in this community. Why? Because there's too many people for every church to be full right now. If, every, if everybody in Ventura County accepted Christ right now, we would not have enough churches. Do you understand that? Yeah. And so we're not in competition with anybody. The only person we're in competition with is the devil, and we're going to beat him down and hurt him. And so doubt is something that's very common to people who are being called to lead. 
If you feel that unction right now, you feel like, hmm, God, God, maybe God's calling me. Maybe I feel a little itch right now that I may need to scratch in Pastor Ricardo's leadership training course starting October 3rd. Maybe that's something I need to do to find out if this is really a calling from the Lord. And, and, and Moses is saying, who am I that I should? That's a great attitude, first of all, because we don't want to see ourselves as qualified. We need to understand, and this, this has become a little bit cliche. We've heard, maybe if you've been around the church at all, you've probably heard this before, but rarely does God call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Rarely does God call the equipped. He equips the called. Rarely does he, he call the powerful, he empowers the, the called. It's not, it's not our qualifications that make us, it's his calling that qualifies us. And then he does all the other stuff to help us get to where we need to be, to be what he wants us to be. In, in fact, scripture says in 1 Corinthians, he says he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So he uses us? Now, that's humbling, isn't it? I'm a foolish thing to confound the wise. And I'm okay with that. I'd much rather be that than some smart guy that thinks he knows it all and, and, uh, and, and is humbled by God. I don't want that. Who am I that I should go? Who are we that we should be called, right? It's okay to have that doubt because it puts us in a needy place with God. And as soon as we say, God, I understand that you are calling me I need you desperately because I don't feel worthy. I don't feel capable. I don't feel qualified. I don't. And then he begins to do the work. He needs a humble servant, not a proud. Uh, I got it all together. I know it all. I, I have it all. Verse 12 says, and, and God said, I will be with you. What a great promise, right? I will be with you. None of us leaders can do anything without God. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt... You will worship God on this mountain. So he's bringing the people out to worship. What are we doing? We're helping people come out of the the life of sin into a life of worship to God. It's powerful. That's the purpose. That's the plan. That's the goal. Those have yet to discover God's love, grace, and forgiveness. Once they discover it, worship. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? (laughs) I think that's a really funny question. Well, God. But they needed a name. And so God said to Moses, I am who I am. That is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I am has a deeper meaning in the Hebrew sense. It means uh, Yahweh or Lord. means the Lord has sent me. The the commitment keeper has sent me. And so the Lord is keeping, is is sending me to you. I am Yahweh. The Lord is sending me to you. The the one who is the promise keeper. The one who who, who delivered Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. The one who's been in charge the whole time is sending me to deliver you from the hands of of Egypt, I am. And that's the beauty of being called by God is knowing that I am has called us. Not Ricardo, not some pressure to arm twisting experience, but knowing that God has called us. And that's the only reason I stand here today is because I don't enter this place with any kind of confidence without Jesus in my life. And knowing, knowing that he has called me. I have no question, no doubt, no, no issue with the calling of God in my life. 
And as a result, I stand here today. God's presence is the evidence of calling. When his presence is here, when his presence is working, when lives are being changed, that's an affirmation. When signs and wonders show up, that's an affirmation of what God is doing, what God is saying. That's why our, our stories, the, the things that we do on video, are so important. Is because those stories tell us that God is doing his thing. We are answering his call appropriately. Exodus 4, chapter 1 says, Moses answered, what if? Again, here's doubt again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is, in, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. This is what a shepherd carries all the time. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Would you run? I would. I don't know what kind of snake it was, but I'm not a big fan of snakes. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Here's what I know, is that when you are called, God will confirm it. He will 100% confirm your calling to leadership. He will give you scripture. He will give you a word. He will have someone come up to you and say, God has told me to tell you. I don't know what he's going to do or how he's going to do it. I don't know if you're going to have a staff in your hand and you're going to throw it on the ground and it turns into a snake. I don't know. Not for me to tell you how God's going to call you and how he's going to confirm that calling. But what I do know is that he will confirm it. And so don't let your doubt turn into rejection of what God may be doing in your heart and life right now. Don't let that fear of becoming a leader go, oh, I don't know, it just scares me to become a target. It scares me to have to have responsibility and accountability. It scares me to, 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 to carry weight. It scares me. Well, don't let that become the reason you don't answer your calling. In fact, what happened to me is I went through a big season of doubt. I went through this like no way. Because one, I'm imperfect. I'm not living a perfect life. And I thought, if you're going to be called into ministry and you're going to be called into leadership, then you got to live this perfect life. Because if you don't live the perfect life, then how can God use you? And I wasn't perfect by any means. And so I was like, oh, no way. And finally someone said, and she kind of shook me and said, hey, you go spend time in, in the presence of God and he will confirm your calling. So I said, okay. And I went out and I, I got on my knees and I, I just spent time alone with God and, and he popped this verse in my head. He said, read Ephesians 3. And I, at that time, I was not uh, familiar with scripture. I was not familiar. I hadn't done a lot of study. I hadn't done anything really significant to understand what scripture was. But he, I heard in my head, Read Ephesians 3. And then I got to verse 7 and it said this. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Listen to that again. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And immediately I knew that what, what was true for Paul was true for me. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given me. To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which, uh, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And then this is the really powerful part that t- told me I was to be a pastor. His intent was that now through the church, 
Through that church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the passage that was the affirmation and confirmation of my calling. And it came to me in, in a absolute 100% just God and me speaking. And that I have sat on this verse for all of my ministry life. Because it gets discouraging, it gets frustrating. I burn out and I was like, okay, I'm out of ministry and I'll just stay out of ministry. And it, come back, it came back to me and God said, no, you're not going to be out of ministry forever. You need to get healthy and whole and you need to learn some things and then come back into ministry. And all of that said, that is the affirmation of my calling. That is why I stand here confidently, not in myself, but in the calling of God. And I believe that what God wants to do in your life and your heart today is call you into leadership and call you into ministry and call you into a place. And I'm not saying everybody in this room, but there are people that are hearing this right now and you're going, yep, 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 that's me. I am scared to death. I don't want to do this. I don't know what I'm going to do. Or I'm not qualified. Or what if? What if somebody says something? If we simply use Moses as the model for the calling of leadership, we can say this about what we understand about his life. Our past does not disqualify us. Whatever you've done, whatever you've gone through, Moses was a murderer. He killed an Egyptian. And he ran because of that. He killed an Egyptian. Even though it was a a seemingly just killing, it was still wrong for him to do that. And it was, it was far early in his, his career as a leader to even do that. Our qualification comes from God. He does the calling, not, the qualifica- not our qualifications. And so our calling comes from him. And then the qualifying happens. And then all the other stuff happens. And I'm not saying there aren't qualifications or there aren't standards to which us leaders have to live to. But that doesn't uh, begin, it be, it, it's the fruit of leadership. It's the fruit of the calling. Our cur- current career may be the training ground for our future leadership in the church. Whatever you're doing may have a skill set that is needed in the church. And it's so important that you understand that. Doubt is the evidence of our need of God, not our weakness. It's a good thing to say, what if? I don't feel qualified. It's okay to say that because when you come in with a humility like that, then you're open to having God shape you and lead you into that calling he's leading you to. Our calling is a servant role in leading people to freedom. Amen? Amen. That's the call for all of us. But as a leader, and the culture of leadership at Journey will always be servant leadership. If there's anybody here for power, if there's anybody here for uh, just authority, if there's anybody here for control, if there's anybody here for money, that, that, those, are no, that, those are not motivations to be a leader here. And that'll be weeded out because the first thing we'll start doing as leaders is serving. The first thing we'll do is serve. The outcome of more leaders in the church is more people following did you hear that? If I'm the only leader here, we're in trouble. So there's only a certain capacity that I have to have uh, the followers. 
But as we expand leadership, as we expand the base of leadership in our church, we expand the ability to have more followers. And, and followers isn't a lower class. Followers are, are just what leaders have. And, and, and that's how it works. So there's no lower class. There's no lower person or lower rank or anything like that. There's just this, this reality that when we have more leaders, our capacity grows. Our strength will be determined by the unity of our leadership. And we won't tolerate division. We won't tolerate a, a, a separate agendas or separate visions. All of our leaders will be in a common place working in the same direction to accomplish the, the one purpose and mission we have. And that's to reach the have-yets of this community. And our heart will be developed by the desire to be servant leaders, not anything else. Are you called to carry weight? Are you called to take on responsibility? Are you being called by God? Are you being called by Him right now? As the Holy Spirit begins and has been moving throughout this auditorium, are you today online, on site, are you being called to become a leader? Are you being called to bear the burden of the have yet mission? To own it. It's lonely if I'm the only one that owns reaching this community for Christ. We have to be together in doing it and leaders do that together. Are you called to lead? Then here's the altar call. Sign up for October 3rd or show up. We'll be ready for you. October 3rd, right here at 6.30, we will start an eight-week leadership training course and it will be an intense course. It's not going to be something that's soft and easy. There's going to be reading. There's going to be writing. There's going to be prayer. There's going to be all kinds of experiences that we will have together as leaders and developing our leadership skills and abilities. But the altar call is October 3rd here at 6.30. And it may be a discovery process. It may, you're sitting in your chair right now and maybe you're watching online and saying, I don't know. It's okay. Show up. It'll be a discovery process. It'll be one of those times where you're going, let's see if this is what God is doing. Let's see if God is calling us. He will eventually confirm it. He will eventually affirm it through a miracle, through a verse, through a scripture, through a passage, through a heartbeat that you just can't get away from. There's an interesting saying in ministry that if you can do anything else but ministry, do it. Because ministry is not for sissies. This is true of the calling of leadership. If you can do anything else and you can get away from it and you feel good about your relationship with God, then keep doing it. But if you can't get away from being a leader, then you're, you're likely called and you need to be one. So God is calling us to leadership. Not everybody, but there are people in this room that you're being called. And if you're being called... Maybe not just in the church, but at your workplace, in your community, in your home, wherever it may be. I just want to encourage you, answer the call. Come to the leadership class. It's an eight-week commitment. We want you to make that commitment serious, but God is doing something special to expand the capacity of our church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And I believe today you are calling people, you're calling us 
to leadership. And there are people in this room, Lord, not everybody, but there are many, several that are being called, that are your Holy Spirit is speaking right now. And I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit will just affirm and confirm in their hearts that they need to take the next step and begin to give themselves to the learning and, and, and training of leadership. And I pray that you raise up leaders, Lord. You raise up people who need to, to, to carry weight and to share the weight of the church, to share the weight of their, their workplace or to share the weight of their community, whatever it may be. Lord, I pray that you help us to raise up leaders so that we can see the power of God flow through the church and, and use the church to reach the have-yets of this community. I pray for that today, God. In the name of Jesus, just pour your spirit out. Like you called Peter, like you called John, like you called James, like you called uh, Paul, Lord, call us and equip us and empower us and, and enable us, God, to do whatever you want us to do. And we thank you and praise you for that. I give you praise. I give you honor. I give you glory. And I pray, Father, for the power of your Holy Spirit right now just to speak and speak powerfully, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Speak powerfully in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're online, maybe you're on site, and you have yet to experience the forgiveness of God's grace in your life, the, the, the wonderful thing to have your sins forgiven and have the promise of eternal life, then what Jesus is asking you to do right now is to confess your sin and to repent from it, to turn away from your sin and walk towards Jesus. And when you repent and when you confess, the forgiveness happens, the Bible tells us. And then when we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, we have the hope of eternal life. We will spend eternal life with Jesus. And then we commit to follow him for the rest of our lives. That means commitment, follow. Make Jesus first in our lives. When we do that, that, the Bible tells us we will be saved. We will be set free from the bondage of sin and have the hope of relationship with Jesus for eternity. So I want to encourage you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want to encourage you to accept him right now. Just pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I acknowledge that I have made mistakes. I've done things to not please you that have separated our relationship. And I commit to not only confess my sin, but to repent from it today in Jesus' name. And I believe that you were raised from the dead, Lord. And I accept that I'm going to spend eternity with you today. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to join your journey. And I hope the message made a big difference in your life. And if it did, we just encourage you to go to journeychurchventura.com and let us know. Also, be free to share this message with your friends and family. We just love to impact as many people as we can. Once again, thank you for joining us at Journey Church Ventura.